Hello, and welcome to episode 211 of The Modern Manager. I am your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Cass R., Jenny K.S., and Alex M. to The Modern Manager community. By becoming a member, you're not only investing in yourself and gaining access to our community of other members, but you're also supporting me in producing this show, which means a lot to me. So I hope you'll check out membership details at themodernmanager.com slash join. Today's guest is Mark J. Silverman. Mark is an executive coach, author, and podcast host. He works with leaders and their teams around the world to address the underlying behaviors and mindsets that sabotage all time management and productivity tools. Mark and I talk about prioritization through the lens of getting the right things done at the right time. We explore the concepts from his book, Only Tens, and how to stay focused on what matters most, even when you've got external pressures that make it feel impossible. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. It is such a pleasure to have you today, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me on The Modern Manager. I am super psyched to talk with you today because this idea of to-do lists and only tens has been kind of floating around in different episodes I've done before, but I feel like you're the expert that's going to really help us make sense of it. I hope so. That's the plan. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you start by just laying the groundwork of what is this concept of only tens and why have you found it to be so powerful? So for me, I have, I have uh, ADHD. So when I was in corporate America, I had bosses. I had people to tell me what was important. I had people I was afraid of disappointing, right? So I had, I had, a, I had built-in guardrails. When I became an entrepreneur and in business for myself, I no longer had those guardrails. I could go eat a snack. I could go work on things that were not important. I could do all kinds of things. And I really wasn't a good businessman for myself. And I was having trouble getting to the things that were important. And even, even taking ADHD medicine, it was hard for me to focus. So this concept came from me trying to figure out how to get myself to work on the things that were both urgent and important and would move the business forward. Uh, and through the trial and error, I decided I was going to write a book on the subject. I just decided I was going to give myself a PhD in paying attention thinking that I was going to, you know, and I remember my coach at the time said, yeah, it's not a bookmark, it's a pamphlet. <laughs> uh, but I spent, I spent the entire summer of 2015 learning who I was, why I made decisions, why I did what I did, why I didn't do what I did. And I learned so much. So this book, Only Tens, came out in September and it wound up selling 1,500 copies in its first day. And so there's like 75,000 copies of this book out there. We did, we've done a second iteration, but the, the first book really shocked me. It went out, again, just for myself, and it had spelling errors and grammatical errors, and I didn't know I needed a copy editor. And people I know and other coaches were actually giving it to the C-suite, to giving it to different leaders. I'm like, what are you doing? This book is an embarrassment, but it kept selling. So we rewrote it uh, last year. My new publisher asked me to rewrite it before I write my next book. But for me, it was the concept of what is it, you know, what I learned for myself is it wasn't just ADHD. It was, I only do what I want to do and I don't do what I don't want to do only all the time. And that's all of us. 
when I had that aha moment that I don't procrastinate on things that I care about, that was for me the, the moment I realized that I had to figure out what it is I cared about. I had to, and then when I started to think what I cared about, then I realized that I had organized all the people around me to expect me to do things. So I was a yes guy. I was a people pleaser. I was all things to all people all the time. Why? Because I could. I'm smart. I'm energetic, right? I'm resourceful until I couldn't. And I dropped the ball and I would say yes to too many things. And that brought forward the concept of what do I have to do in order to only focus on the things I'm committed. So the only tens is a 10 is something you're committed to. A 10 is something that has to be done, has to be done by you and has to be done by you today. Has to be done, has to be done by you and has to be done by you today or you have juice to do it. So like, you know, let's say you do a you have an idea for a solo podcast. That idea is going to go be fleeting. And if you don't run to your studio or at least run to a notepad to get down the notes, right? You probably know this. You're going to lose that idea that you had. So if you have juice for something, go for that also. So when I started to pay attention to that, all of a sudden, I started to understand what I cared about. Then I realized that I had to have these conversations with people who I had to you know, start to set boundaries with. So I had to say no for the first time in my life. I had to set boundaries. I had to learn how to negotiate with people. And I had to deal with the feelings of not being liked, of disappointing people. So this was my whole inner journey to how I interact with people. So it was a whole new level of people skills. I've always had people skills. People love me. Everybody loves Mark. The people skills of having honest relationships with people so that I was honest and authentic about what I was going to do, what I'm not going to do, what I'm capable of doing and all that. Well, what an incredible personal journey that you went on. I would love for you to talk more about some of those barriers that you had to overcome because, you know, when I was first learning about this concept, I now, there's a whole section of your book where I was like, oh, yes, all of these excuses. I have, like, you know, there's so many things I have to do because I have to report to my boss and I have, I'm a mom and I have these other things I have to do for my kids. And I just, there's no way I could organize my life around this idea of, of only tens. So, you know, what are some of those challenges that you've faced or that other people have faced as they've tried to adopt this kind of mindset and approach? So let's let's talk, let's talk about things that needs to be delegated. Let's talk about you know uh, I work with a lot of C-suite executives, and most you know they you know you know this when you're when you're in the C-suite it's you're, it's not your job to do the job it's your job to make sure the right work gets done, right? So I would work with people who would be up until two o'clock in the morning working on stuff. So I had a CIO who used to work all night long to make sure when he did a report that had to go to the CEO that it was pristine. And I'd say, why are you doing that? Who prepared the report for you? Well, my people prepared the report for me, but it's not, you know, it's inaccurate and it's sloppy and all that. And this, you know, this guy was famous for people following him from startup to startup because everybody loved him. Everybody loved him because he didn't hold people accountable. So he was always overwhelmed, always busy. So we had to work slowly, step by step with feedback. So, we, you know, in the book, the, one of the tools of only tens is learning to have difficult conversations. So saying no and setting boundaries are difficult conversations. Asking for help is a difficult conversation. Now, giving feedback to work that is subpar is also a difficult conversation. 
right? So, so once we learn to have the conversation of giving the feedback, now we have to learn how to have the conversation of creating agreements. Like what if we agree that the work is going to look like? When do we agree it's going to be done? And then doing that iteration. One of the kind of surprises when you get promoted is your job is less and less to do and more and more to coach, right? And, and if you got promoted because you were the best at your job, and now you have to learn a whole new set of skills. And this one comes up over and over again about giving feedback so that you can create your, uh, your people and your team to up-level and create new leaders and that, and that accountability loop. Does that make sense? It does. And it is so critical and so common. I hear the same thing that, you know, it's, if people didn't do a good job, then I have to step in and fix it. I have to save the day. I have to put out the fires. And that is kind of the opposite mindset to be in if you want to be doing your most important work. But you can do it faster. You can, you, you, you know, like that. That's the thing. I can, I can fix this in 10, 10 minutes. Yeah, but you're fixing like five different people's work in 10 minutes and you're not creating people to give you the right work. Exactly. And it's 10 minutes this week and 10 minutes next week and 10 minutes the day after, right? It keeps on going if you don't fix the root cause, which is learning to give feedback, setting clear expectations, as you said, right? Coaching them along the way so they can develop the skills they need to do it right the first time. Exactly. But it's much harder work, right? It's much easier to to reach for the fix. Like it's easier to reach for a cookie than a salad. It's much easier to reach for the fix than pick up the phone and have that difficult conversation. All right. Well, what about when it's your boss who keeps piling things on and you're like, "Uh, I just I have to do all these other things that feel extraneous or random or, you know, just my boss is asking me to do all of these things. Is there a way that we have to manage up as well? That's a huge one. And this takes courage. This takes huge courage and it takes skill in navigating the conversation because you always want to be Johnny on the spot for your CEO say uh, you always want you always want to be the person that your superior can trust with work that's how you know that's how you get ahead but when it's starting to overwhelm you so let's say let's say you're a doer and you are just really good at knocking down uh, projects but your boss is a visionary, the CEO. So I've worked with a lot of people who they're, you know, the CEOs of visionary, and then they have a bunch of implementers who are working for them. So if you're a visionary, you're just going to be an idea machine and you're going to be ricochet rabbit. We talked about the fact that I had ADHD. Most visionaries have ADD also. That's why they're so creative and they're so charismatic. The downfall is all these ideas and sending people in all kinds of different directions. I don't know if anybody's read the book called Rocket Fuel. And they talk about visionaries and implementers. So you need you need the two of them. But when your boss is inundating you, you have to one find the courage to push back. Second, have the courage to say, "I want you know." Always with the affirmative, I want to get things done. I want to help you. I want this to happen. And I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I'm working on these projects. Can you help me determine our priorities here? And it's really hard to do because sometimes you have a boss who's not interested in in growing and learning and creating those agreements with you. Uh, but most of the time, if you can approach them in a mature fashion, and if they, you know, for me, if they got you coaching, then they're somewhat enlightened and they're probably getting coaching themselves. So then we can work on that. But that's 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 the piece is finding the courage to speak up and then speaking up in a way that's affirmative, but strong. Like I want these projects to be a success? Which ones should we be working on? Where should I get my resources? I love this. All right. Well, now what about the excuse 
that like if I say no or if I don't do these things, then people aren't going to like me, right? You mentioned that was one of the struggles you had. And I know for myself, not in inside my work world, but inside my social network and the volunteering I do, I definitely had a, have a lot of this like, oh, someone's asking for coffee. And if I say no, they're not going to like me. Or they're asking me to show up and help with this event. And if I say no, then I'm, I'm being a bad community member. How do you get past some of those mindsets where it's okay to actually say no and protect your time and people aren't going to hate you for it? So I'm an Enneagram too. Enneagram is a personality test and we've, you know, uh, and you've taken many personality tests like Myers-Briggs and all kinds of stuff. In Enneagram too, I get my self-worth by how much value I provide to you. So I get my self-worth by saying yes to you and delivering. That's a recipe for codependency and disaster and burnout, right? So uh, if I can do this, anybody can do this. The start of setting boundaries and saying no one, you have to first, before anybody else gets mad at you, you have to deal with the icky feelings. You have to be able to sit with the feelings of people aren't going to like me and your head's, your head's just going to trash you over and over and over again. I'm not good enough. I, if I was more organized, I'd be able to do more, all that stuff. How does, how does so-and-so do it down the street? All that head trash. Next is you're going to have three sets of people. When you start to set boundaries, there's three types of things that happen with the people in your life. First, there's the people who have been using you because you're their crutch forever. They're going to go away and it's going to feel terrible. Those people who are used to you being the people pleaser are going to go away. The second set of people are going to be grumbly and they're going to be, you know, like they're going to argue with you a little bit, but they're going to come around because they're, they're real relationships and uh, they're, they, you know, they don't really want to see you fail. The third set is going to be like, I've been waiting for you to set a boundary. I've been waiting for you to say no. So that's really hard. Now, let, let's go. Let's take a step further. I think there's three stages of learning how to set a boundary. For, you know, and I only know this because it was my, only, oh, my own test lab and I watched it with other people. The first uh, way to set a boundary is when you're a people pleaser is when you just do everything and it gets to be too much and it's too much and it's too much and you blow up and then you throw up all over everybody in your life and you ruin relationships and all kinds of stuff. But you blow up and you set a boundary with anger. Then you, you start getting used to setting boundaries, but you can't stand the anger. So now that's the second phase and the sec second level of setting boundaries is the obsequiousness. You know, you start to explain yourself. You know, I would love to do that for you. I really want to do that for you, but I really can't. And I, I have to do this and this and this. And you're, you know, you're kind of whiny and it's kind of weak, but it's a little better than blowing up. And then finally, after we find some self-worth, after we find that the world doesn't crumble, we can set a uh, boundary with strength, with love, and, you know, just be direct. You know, I would love to do that, be able to do that for you. I can't fit this on my schedule. So I'm going to have to say no. Or you can say, you know, I can do this for you, but I need to do it in two weeks after I'm done with this project. And you start to learn to negotiate. Those are the three levels of how to set a boundary. I love those because I literally moved from phase two to phase three, like last week. Yeah. In one particular email that I was writing, I was was about to write. I actually had started typing out like, I'm so sorry, I can't do this. My schedule is really full. You know, I would I wish that I really could make this work. And I was like, why am I doing that? I, I don't mm -hmm. need it. I can just say like, I'm so sorry, I, I can't make that event. I hope to join in the future. Period. Done. And it was very freeing to not have to feel like I had to make a whole bunch of excuses, but that I could actually just say like, this is not going to happen for me. And I'm sorry that it's not going to work. And maybe it will work out in the future. And that's okay. 
it's tough. It's tough to do, but it's an evolution evolution. So for me personally, I've gone from a person who was such a people pleaser and, and just such a liar to everybody about what I'm willing, you know, what I'm willing to do and who I am to someone who now, if you ask who Mark Silverman is, you know where you stand with me. You can trust my yes. You can trust my no. You know, it, it's it's uh, and I tell you, know, I, I give all my clients unlimited access to me. All my clients get a twenty four seven unlimited access to me. And I say now, don't be fooled by that. I wrote a book about boundaries. I will not pick up the phone when I can't or won't pick up the phone. And uh, you can so don't worry about bothering me, right? And it's been a really easy thing because most people like yeah you know, I can't get them to abuse me anyway. So you know most most responsible people won't abuse the privilege. I love that. I love that idea of like, let people know that you're available and that you'll set your boundaries in real time as you need to. Yes. All right. So what about this excuse that my to-do list is so long that if I only did these things that were like on the urgent list, like then I'm, I'm never actually going to get to the things that are really important, but will never be urgent because they they don't, you know, they're kind of my wish list things. Oh, this, this, is, my, this is my favorite part. So I do a I do a workshop for leadership teams called Mastering Overwhelm. And I do the only tens thing as a small piece of it. And I have them write out their list. And people are like, uh, how much time do you have? I'm like, yeah, I'm giving you three minutes to write 15 things down. My thing is 45 you know, things. Just stop at 15 just for this exercise. So they write down all the things on their to-do list. And I have them write personal things and professional things and everything on, you know, on this list. And then I explain the concept of a 10. It needs to be done, needs to be done by me, and needs to be done by me today, or I have juice. Because I want to get them focused on what needs to be done today. I, I don't want them focused on what needs to be done next week. I, with the ADHD, can't even see a list of things that are supposed to happen next week because I'll just melt down over it. I need to see just what is on my plate for today, and I need to you know, check in with my gut. I need to check in with my people, and I need to know what has to happen today. So once we do that, once we go through that, people start rolling their eyes. They're all tens, Mark. I'm like, well, let's go through the criteria. You know, what should be done? I'm not, and by the way, I'm not going to tell you to do anything different with any of this stuff, but what should be delegated that's on the list? Then Miles say, what was on the list yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before? And what happened that it wasn't done on the original day that it was put on the list. If it's a 10, if it's so important, why wasn't it done three weeks ago when you first put it on your list? Is it just a placeholder? Right. And then they start looking at it. You know, what should be delegated? What's not yours? What was something that really isn't yours to do, but you didn't set a boundary? Like it was somebody else's department to do. And you just haven't had that conversation. Uh, what on your list did you, did you say, do you think you're going to do today, but you're lying to yourself? which I have always had, like, if you look at your to-do list, how many things are on your to-do list that you're like, I'll get to that today. And you never get to it, right? So now we start paring it down. And I can't tell you, I would say 95% of the people in every single one of my meetings go from 15 things to three or four things on their list that are an actual 10. And it's, it's, it's like magic when you, you know, for me, you know, the only thing I own is my time and attention. My life is going on, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home, whether I'm productive, whether I'm not productive. And I have finally decided I care about my life. So if you care about your life, you're going to guard your to-do list like a junkyard dog. And that's my goal is to get you to look at your to-do list because that's where you're spending your time and your attention, which is the only currency you actually have. Do you, and are you spending it on the things that matter to you? Oh, it's so, so beautifully said. And I want to, I want to like dig into like the nitty gritty details here now around like, you know, when I have my to-do list, uh, there are days that I'm podcasting where it's 
very intense, like, I have to get this, like, this whole podcast recorded, right? Like, that's a big thing. And then there's, like, little things, like, I have to send my newsletter out on the right day. Do you equate those as being equal in kind of both being a 10? Or is there a way that we can kind of prioritize our list around the big things that have to get done and then, like, the little things that have to get done? Hmm. So for me, and now that depends, are you committed to having, how often do you send out your newsletter? Every week. Are you committed to having it out every week? Yes, although longtime listeners and subscribers will know that sometimes it goes out on Tuesdays where it's supposed to go out. And then occasionally I push it to a Wednesday because I didn't get it done. And sometimes a Thursday. And then like once I've sent it on a Friday when it was like a horrible week and I was like, my head was going to explode. So you're not committed to having it out on Monday. Definitely not. It's never a Monday. It's always a Tuesday. So you're committed to having it out this week. Correct. Right. So so that's so that's the thing. Uh, When do you record your podcast? Mondays? It depends. But yeah, sometimes Mondays. Right. So so for me, keeping appointments has never been a problem for me. Uh, So appointments are not the thing. It's the I don't promise a newsletter because I have not been able to keep my together enough to have a weekly newsletter. So because I can't do it, I've hired an assistant now who is going to ask me the questions of what it is I want in the newsletter, and she's going to put it out because I'm never, go- I'm never going to get, it, get to it because it's not a priority to me, right? My practice is you know, overbooked and full. So for me, I'm not, hu- I'm not as hungry to hustle on those things you know, as if I, was, I still had five slots to fill in my practice. Does that make sense? So it would be up in importance if I cared to have my podcast be bigger, like I, like marketing my podcast, marketing this or that. So it's all about what you care about. If you are committed to getting it out on Mondays, what mechanisms, you know, so we, we you know, James Clear from Atomic Habits, we fail to the level of our systems. What system, you because know, you can't rely on your willpower. You're a busy person. You're a creative person. And you know, you know, it's okay. You're, you just said it. Your listeners know it'll come out on Tuesday. And if it's not Tuesday, it's Wednesday, right? You've trained them to understand that you're fluid. But if you decided, you know what, enough of this, what system, if it's a 10, you'll set up the system to make sure that it goes out on Monday. So that's the thing. Also, if it just because it's a 10 doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be motivated to do it. What it means is you're motivated to put the mechanisms and systems in to make sure it gets done. There's a lot of tens on my list that I hire out because I, it's, I'm not motivated enough to do it myself, but it's a 10 for me. So I have to get it. So I find a way to get it done. That distinction is actually really helpful, both in terms of sometimes we have tens that we don't have to do, but we need to make sure they're done by others. And I think that's really important. And I've actually started doing that with my own newsletter. My assistant now does it. But that idea that like we we can still have these things that we need to make sure get done, but we don't have to be the doers. And that secondly, you know, this just this idea that like it has to get done this week versus this day. And I know for me, like my podcast goes out and it's live every Tuesday morning. And that is a hard like that is going to happen. That is a Mm -hmm. 10 on Monday to make sure that it's raring to go. But the newsletter is like, it's probably like a nine or an eight on a Tuesday. But if it hasn't happened by Friday, it is 100% going to happen. And really, I would never, I really don't like it when it like takes that long. All hands on deck. Because, because you, have, you have a value 
of not completely letting down your people. Yes. And it's a priority, right? As you're saying, the priority is the show needs to get go out onto the platform so people can listen to it on their walk to work or their drive to work. But the newsletter, that can go out ideally on Tuesday because they go together. But if it's not going to be a 10 that day because I have other 10s that are higher priority, I'm willing to let that one slide. So even for myself, being that clear around where do I have wiggle room and where don't I can help me structure my day in a way that makes sense so that I don't let the things fall off the plate that really, really cannot fall. And I think that's sometimes hard for us, especially when we get into routines where we're so used to doing things in certain ways that sometimes it's actually hard for us to adjust and let things you know, go a day or two more or outsource something because we know we're not going to get to it and and take a, a risk on letting a team member help us out. Hmm. But sometimes we need to do that if we are really going to focus on the 10s, those things that are, are the most important and not letting ourselves get stuck in our routines that, you know, and, and having some flexibility sometimes. The interesting thing is, you know, if you're a leader of an organization, there are some things that are essential that you should be doing, that you need to be doing in order for the organization to be healthy and survive. And if you're doing things that aren't yours, it's to the detriment of the entire organization. Absolutely. I hear that from a lot of founders, especially who are trying to now step out of the role of being the everything to everyone entrepreneur and into a space where they've specialized and they can do what they do best and they can hire a team around them. Yeah, now here's the interesting thing about founders, right? They're usually resource constrained, right? So it's, you know, the buck stops with me, Mark. I can't delegate to to nobody, right? That kind of thing. So for that is, you know, there's going to be a certain amount of hustle that you have to do, right? So that's where you have to triage your to-do list really hard. What is important? What is essential? What is going to move the ball forward? But it's also great to have a roadmap, an organizational roadmap of what you're going to hire out, right? The first thing, the first thing you hire out is your bookkeeping. The second thing you hire out, right? And you go and you go out there is what, what are you, what are you absolutely terrible at? Those are the first things that should be hired out. So when you have a plan, it really helped for me and for my clients. It helps the ego if you have a plan for, I'm going to hire that position when we make this amount of sales. I'm going to hire that position when we make this amount of sales so that you're planning of what you're going to offload. Because only one person can be the visionary. Only one person can can spearhoard the organization if you're the CEO and the founder. So, so true. All right. Well, we are starting to wrap up. So, Mark, can you tell us about a fantastic manager that you worked for and what made this person such a great boss? My favorite leader I've ever worked for is a guy named Tom Mendoza. Tom was the president of Network Appliance NetApp now, uh, an internet startup that became a a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, What I loved about Tom was, and this was before we had you know, everybody was texting so easily. This was uh, in the early uh, 2000s. He had a culture thing of catch someone doing something right. So if you caught someone being cool to a customer, if you saw a janitor cleaning up a certain way, right, it didn't matter what your, if you saw an engineer uh, working diligently to fix a bug, call him or email him and let him know that this person did that. And he would leave them a voicemail. And I still have voicemails to this day of uh, you know, Tom Mendoza saying, hey, Mark, this is Tom Mendoza. So-and-so said you went to the mat for them on such and such. Really, congratulations. He always found the time to 
check up on people and really take care of his organizations. It was, it was breathtaking. He led by example. And I still, to this day, live by what he taught me. I love that idea. Catch people doing something right. That is beautiful. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? So I'm, I'm on all the socials, but I think the best place is to go to my website, markjsilverman.com, mark the letter J, silverman.com. Then there you can learn about my podcast, uh, Mastering Overwhelm. You can learn about my workshops and uh, that kind of thing. And also, uh, I'll, I, I set up a page for your listeners specifically on some of the concepts, you know, the difficult conversations that we're talking about and how to create agreements and the only 10s basics, because most of my clients won't read my book because they all have ADD also. So I had to do little five-minute videos for them. So I'm going to give those to your guests with the worksheets. Fantastic. Well, we will make sure that everyone gets the links for all of those. Thank you so much again for joining me today. It was really a pleasure. This was so fun. Thank you. As you heard, Mark put together a special site with some awesome materials. And this is only available to members of the Modern Manager at the Sprout level and above. And if you want to hear the extended interview where Mark shares more about establishing agreements instead of expectations, become a member and you will get the extended interview for Mark and all episodes in our members-only version of the show, which you can listen to right in your podcast app. So to get Mark's resources and those extended interviews, sign up today by going to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager, you're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.